Hello and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I'm your host, Crisis with a K, and I'm joined here by my friends and X-Men fans from around the world for me, Harry, Tyler, and Faria. And we are here to talk about two of the three X-Men books out this week on the 12th of May, 2021. Those two books are Children of the Atom number three and X-Factor number nine. There is a third X-Men book out this week, which is... X-Core number one, but because we tend to really have a lot to say about number one issues, that will be getting its own independent episode. But the same warning applies to both of the episodes, which is that this is a spoiler-filled discussion. We're going to go into full details about these issues and other issues and other X-Men characters and the history of the Marvel Universe, so you have been warned. Children of the Atom number three, as we always do, we're going to start with initial reactions, starting with Tyler. Um, you know, this is this is five out of five for me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I just want to, I just want to see what your your faces are. Like I said. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not gonna you're gonna get my feeling when it's That's my such turn. Such a me move, dude. Wow, <laughs> it's gonna be that episode, huh? I mean, I, I do not really connect with this issue as much as the other two. To be honest, um, it is okay. The mystery deepens a little bit. We get um, one non-X character <laughs> appearance in this book, um, which was kind of a surprise. And um, I had to, you know, use Dr. Google to figure out who he is. And um, it it is okay for me. Um, you know, I, I give it a 2.5 toys on the shelf out of five. Wow. wow. I love this. I I am like three. For, I I've I've decided because I've been wondering like what is this book? Uh, and at this point, like there's a lot of stuff that we've talked about with this. But I think on a pure fundamental level, this book just gets human drama and intrigue and just emotions so well. We are three for three of just fleshing out these different characters mm -hmm. and doing it in like an economic but super impactful way and like i was just reading this book like, again being like wow this character like i care about this person i want her to be okay like i feel bad for the things she's going through i felt some of the things that she's felt and that's like the most fun kind of thing you get with marvel comics where they are these larger than life characters mm -hmm. or or superpowered characters but they have that kind of human emotion you know i mean there's there's so much that we're i'm sure we'll talk about with its relation to krakoa and the idea of you know identity appropriation and all of that. And I'm excited to get into it, but like on a very fundamental way, this, this issue was really strong at getting across just a person who's struggling and is unsure of herself and kind of what that looks like and where, and it, I think it ends in a really interesting place. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Uh, wow. Yeah, just 4.5. So for me, if the ending is means that this character is a mutant, this is a straight up 4.5 out of 5. However, if they pull the rug and then say that, oh no, she's never a mutant, but this is a reaction to some medication she took, this will be a 0 out of 5. But I do agree. I really like connected with the character. There was one character I had some goodwill for, but I lost every single one of it by one sheer one. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm done with you, girlfriend. I'm going to tear you up in my podcast. Like, listen, just <laughs> wait for that. Yeah. Uh, because like, and I, I'm going to get into that. You're but done. <laughs> you're done. You're done. But um, no, I, I also connected to um, to 
her thing about like you know how everybody wants something from her someone like you know a lot of the time no one is like mm-hmm. you know because we talked about it at one once before when peter just wanted to kind of know how am i doing <laughs> and how surprising that was for me yeah. so from a lot of that from that point of view i did connect to that with that uh but yeah but you know overall i'm just kind of a little getting tired of like the whole mystery that's being dragged on and on and on and i'm like okay get to the point we get it we get it you're trying to do and then a lot of the time because i read it just before i went to the shower and then in my shower i was thinking how awesome would it be if this was created set in gwenpool universe if this they're actually kids in our world and they're reacting to it and then somehow oh, there's a connection to gwenpool i was like Oh! and then you know cool and then idea. how they're trying to <laughs> trying to get into marvel universe and get into um the krakoan gate because they found out how gwenpool rewrote herself as a mutant i was like just thinking about that and i couldn't unthink that but anyway so yeah it is just really dependent like you know i was like okay okay i, I and also uh they um vitala um got got some uh, extra kudos point because of the last new mutant so i i i i'm i'm willing to give them a pass <laughs> goodwill's seeking it goodwill yeah so free rates at either a 0 or a 4.5 depending on <laughs> yeah. how the next issue depending, <laughs> exactly. depending on next issue so yeah. then we're going to retroactively come back and put it <laughs> yeah, yeah come back uh, so I feel in a way that I this almost became my supervillain origin story in the way that the past two issues have been for Faria because it's the first time that there had there really hasn't been like an X-Men presence in the issue and I really found myself in the middle being like what like what is this nonsense it's not an <laughs> X-Men book like get it out of my sight but Oh on the other hand I had the total Harry vindicated like, if this was just not in the X-Men universe if this was not called children of the atom and it was just called youths i don't know yeah. i would probably love it and i would probably be giving it like a 5 out of 5 because vita Ella is incredibly incredibly good at this and so it's it's just really hard to pull apart my reaction to like i why am i reading this as part of the x line but it's funny i read all of marvel so like why should i care if something's the x line or not so i came away like really conflicted like part of me is like make it matter if it's going to be an x men book but then part of me is like you just want good marvel comics it's a good marvel comic shut up mm. uh, but beyond yeah. all of that I think the art change hurt it really badly. I know mm. that Bernard Chang is not for everybody, but I think that he brought a really unique look to the book. I think he brought a very unique look to the characters. I think the colors on him were phenomenal. And this art to me, even though I really do like Paco Medina, this was just not it was negligible. Like I didn't even care. I never stopped on a panel. I never noticed it once. And so I think that if the art was stronger, maybe I wouldn't have be having this like existential crisis. about if it's an X-Men book or not but but there was nothing to hang on to for me visually it was bland well, it was the total, thing is that at least we get bland white bread uh, art to me i mean at least we do get a good paco medina here instead of a bad paco medina I, that's oh, one yes. thing and um but i do have to point out the same uh something that um peter sort of mentioned uh, touch upon bernard chang brings with him racial features to these characters. Yes, thank you. Talk and it that. disappears. I mean it disappears here. Um you know yeah. the the Asian character no longer looks like an Asian character. There's an Asian character? Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I'm looking yes, at him cold. right now and now that yes. you've mentioned that, I can yes. see maybe 
Maybe. But I didn't. He's kind of has more eyebrows. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't know Jubilee was Asian for a very long time <laughs> until it was pointed out to and me. And I think so. My confusion I'm, was what didn't Carmen look different before? Like I feel like her whole face. Yes. Doesn't even look. I thought it was a different character that we were like meeting yeah. some other podcaster. It, it's oh. just, it's just different. Uh, I mean, it's just there's, there's just no differentiation. There's the racial traits is is all gone, and and there was a few odd um, positioning of characters. Like you know, there was when they first enter um, Cameron's apartment, they were like saying hi to to her mom when her mom was like standing by the side and they were all looking straight up and they are saying hi <laughs> and talking as if they're talking to the mom in front of them. Um, so so there, there are little bits here and there which kind of um, annoys me. But um, I have to say that he, um, at least Medina feels um, he, he did not do a rush job. It is not no. a rush job. Um, no. The background are fully rendered. You, you do get a full... Um, background in some of the panels here when it matters. So, so, you know, so it's not, it's not a ding on him. It's just different. And well, and, they also change colorists. And I'm a real stickler for keeping colors the same when you change artists. I think if this still had that beautiful textured skin, that the, mm. the beautiful, um, angles and, and, and moments of, um, light and darkness contrast, I don't think it would have stuck out as much. But David Curiel, who, by the way, is probably my favorite colorist at Marvel, he just mm. colors it like he's coloring like any Pepe Larraz art. It looks just mm. like he would color Larraz, which I like on Pepe Larraz, but it's not right for this book. I wasn't as in love with the Bernard Chang art uh, with the first two issues. And I, I will admit I have a soft spot for Paco Medina because uh, this is embarrassing. But when I would, I broke into comics a little bit with the Daniel White Deadpool book. And I remember really liking the art of that. Uh, so this worked, but the entire, what you just said about the um, kind of some of the more uh, uh, racial characteristics, not being there with the faces, that's kind of devastating. And now I'm just thinking about that now. And that's mm-hmm. a very good point. Um, yeah. but it's not a rush job either. I was kind of, I was no, expecting not. one because it was kind of a fill in or like it got, no, I think, pretty quick. I think, I, th- I mean, my guess, this is pure speculation mm-hmm. is that because of the COVID delay, Bernard Chang took another job. So he finished okay. the first two issues and he couldn't continue. So they probably brought, uh, Paco Bedina in, um, and to replace him, not as a last minute replacement, I think. So, okay. um, yeah, I, th- I think, th- I mean, that's, that's just my guess. I-, I don't know. Yeah. And I will say before we move on from this, although I don't like the coloring style for this particular book, again, I love David Curiel, and I think that the um, skin tones are handled very well by David Curiel here, even though the features maybe are not there from Paco Medina. Now mm-hmm. I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Actually, I mean, there's a gorilla in a room. There's all sorts of things <laughs> in the room here. Yes. But um, but we'll get to that. I want to talk about the main elephant in the room, which is the spaceship, starships across the sky, which we don't quite know why they're in that position, but it's clearly implied that finally we know where some of them at least got their powers. And it's mm-hmm. because they were on a spaceship that crashed. But they have clearly of human families. They're not scrolls, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, they, unless they like killed all of these kids and took their place. I didn't get that implication. So the, the space, <laughs> they were just on a spaceship, which crashed. I, I don't even... T- Harry, you love this book. Talk about the spaceship. <laughs> I mean, it was disorienting. They didn't really tell you in any way how they got on this. I'm going to be honest. I like that. I like that they just kind of stick you in to this kind of different situation. And yeah, like watching just... I, 
I'm going to be a broken record here, but just the human drama of like Carmen, like yelling that she loves someone and that person doesn't hear them. And like, that's what I was gravitating to. That all worked for me. I, I will be honest. I'm not as interested in the overarching plot of where their powers came from. Cause um, I just know the book's going to tell me eventually and that's fine. But like, that's not what's been drawing me to the story. I think there's much stronger stuff it does, but um, when I'm reading it, I'm not feeling, I'm not, I'm not missing that. I'm not feeling it as a weakness when I'm reading it. So um, I just thought it was interesting and I enjoyed it. Freya spaceship. Isn't that fantastic for, so why aren't they, why aren't they, why aren't, okay. So, okay. So this is, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to have my wits end with this book because I feel like this is finally going to break me at some point because the thing is, here's the point because they were talking about it the first one. Buddy was saying how she connected with X-Men and because they're different and all of that. This is Marvel Universe. This is a world with filled with different people. This is the world filled with different heroes and stuff. So what about X-Men that she connected to that a Fantastic Four could not provide her, even though there is like, there is this spaceship and all of that. So, and because of that, it's really kind of killing the character for me because I feel like this is one of those characters who thinks that she needs to feel oppressed in order to feel different and she connects to oppressed people like you know it just because she surrounds herself with different like different like you know non-white people around her and the thing is because i have genuinely met these people when i was in school when i was in college when i first moved to canada and it really bothers me it really bugs me that it's like okay so what what is your angle why are you so hung up on going into krakoa and why are you so hung up on feeling different when in a world there is actually provides difference and different idea the heroes and everything why are you hang up on this particular group who is known to be hated so i don't know i mean it just like and the, the whole point of the, the spaceship and i'm like i don't care where they're going at first i thought they were sim- they were in a simulation because they were trying to feel like x-men but then i'm like oh no it wasn't a simulation it was an actual spaceship so i don't know whether they actually gone into krakoa somehow because one of them may be a mutant and she was holding on to her hand and maybe that's what happened. Whether that was the cause. I just, I just, I'm just, I'm just done with this mystery. This non-mystery mystery. Like, what is this? What is Tyler, this? Tyler, spaceship. <laughs> I don't you know. S- I mean, I've not read. Um, sorry, Zach. I've not read Power Pack. So, <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> how, so first I don't, of all, how dare I, you? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if this actually tracks with Power Pack. No, they don't really if, get on a spaceship. It's much more of like a Green Lantern situation. We're like, got it. He, he's so well, on they're, Earth. They're, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I, I, so initially I was thinking, oh, are they trying to create a, a modern day Power Pack? Um, you know, in conjunction with that, the that aren't a bunch because, of white siblings that aren't going to play yeah, well in, in correct. Cross so, so yeah. I thought maybe they would they would try wow. they would going that angle um but um, right. I, I i mean the thing is that there were a few things here which um sort of um got me interested in in the sense that um well first first of all um they went onto the spaceship we are supposed to believe that they landed safely somehow um and buddy who was supposed to be hurt was not really hurt in the very last page of this. 
um, when 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 she was like, oh, you know. Um, so so I I don't know if um if they are really who they are right now, or they are who they, you know, the the someone has taken over them. Um, we have seen. I mean, I hope it doesn't turn out to be a broad thing. I was thinking because, that also. Yeah, because we we do have the broad, you know, sometimes uh, mimicking humans with powers. Um, so so that will be another thing that and and I mean it kind of like you know when Cameron changes at the end, she has like claws and like sharp teeth. So. So, that, so, so I don't know if that is a manifestation of her powers or a result of the broad coming out or, or something. I don't know. And they're um, also high school students. So where did they get the spaceship? Well, well, uh, they didn't get the spaceship. They found it. I think uh, we'll uh, oh. find well, out. Well, okay. Yeah. So here's my commentary, which I think, yeah. Uh, I bought them more when they were just kids who felt different as most teenagers do at some point and identified with the X-Men because they were always friends and they feel different and they're questioning their connections to each other, but they also want to be unique. Like that really read for me in the first two issues. Then I was here defending it. However, to then insert, oh, and by the by, these kids are X-Men fans after their spaceship crash. That to, uh, you've you've now pushed it too far. It's like I don't know. It's like mutants having a helicarrier. You you've pushed it too far, and my suspension of disbelief has been broken. Now I'm like, if you were on a spaceship crash, and now you maybe have powers, and you've decided to feel that way about the X Men, that's why I'm with Freya. I'm like, feel that way about the Avengers. Feel that way about the Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Feel that way about the New Warriors. Feel that way mm-hmm. about the like I, I'll do the Power Pack. I'll just keep naming teams because this does not make you like X Men. Um, but but the thing that I come back to. And I think some people appropriately kind of held us to account for this in our last um, episode in the comments is like, we're so focused on wanting mutant representation on the page that we're almost kind of looking the gift horse of the mouth that we're getting really great representation otherwise on the page of people that reflect people's real identities in the world. And, yeah. you know, clearly we're not an, uh, an all-white panel here, so that's not lost on some of us who enjoy seeing reflections <laughs> yeah. of ourselves in the media. At the same time, though, um, you know, we all have gone around and said, even if the book is annoying us, we think Vida Ayala is doing an amazing job creating these characters. Let's reflect for a moment that, like, this is, we get introduced to multiple different family, you know, environments here that are representative of different people in the real world. And they're all yeah. written extraordinarily well if we wow. can take off our X-Men glasses. Yeah. And so I want to just talk for a moment about Carmen's family life. You know, she's in this big, happy family, but and everybody depends on her. And she has this sense that she's nobody's favorite. And by everybody depending on her, that she's the weakest link, which is a really interesting thing. Almost like if everybody needs you... Is it actually all that unique to be needed? Which is which is a very complex set of emotions there. Um, Freya, what did you think? Kind of removing the fact that this is an X Men book, yeah. try to put it away for a second. Yep, yep. What did you think about Carmen's family and family life, and how that was reflecting on her? And then, if you want to connect that to Cole's family and family life, feel free. But you don't have to right now. We'll get to Cole. Uh, 
So the thing is, like, it's actually very real. Like, you know, it's a very realistic portrayal. And then, you know, the the eldest children, child, the daughter especially. Um, if if you are comparing it to it, uh, like, you know, the oldest daughter often gets the mom. Mom you know role. the mom, the mom role, and then in that that whole like oh yeah like you know um like this is this is how you are going to be and then this is only but I don't know I was thinking like but haven't we seen that many places before like you know why can't we just do it differently here why can't like you know like her life be like oh okay she's like you know this is not the same exact family dynamic we see all the time i mean you know there's there is something to be said about representation and there is something to be said about the same stereotype representation being mm. done again and again and i felt this was another stereotypical re- re- representation as soon as she said oh yeah everyone i'm like oh the twins i'm like of course your mother wants you to take care of the twins baby of course you know by the way my mom never my mom was like you're not good enough go away no 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 responsibility <laughs> and stuff. but so therefore in that way it's like i mean it just like a, it became where it, it there's like a very thin line between stereotype and a good representation that's what i was thinking about it it's like okay what what it, and then i don't know i, I don't know i don't know this whole thing is like there's this new um trend that seems to started to happening of showing biracial families like all oh, one of the one of the uh like you know parent is white like you know there is this trend that is right now in 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 lieu of showing diversity and i'm like i don't know about that either <laughs> like, you know i mean like, i don't know what what i'm supposed to feel but taking all of that aside, I did connect to her her uh, whole idea that is like, but even her fr- family wants all of this. Even her friends are kind of there is a transactional level uh, of friendship that she has with all the characters, and then she also feels like she's into the podcasting world and everything. And I feel like she's gotten into the whole thing where it's like she's still trying to figure out how much she's supposed to give to the podcast, like you know, to her audience versus how much she's supposed to hold on to. And I'm like, we can talk about that because <laughs> I'm an expert of that. <laughs> like, you know, so so I think there was some good things about it, but at the same time, I felt like I was I was getting a little annoyed by the oh another like Latina. She's Latina, right? Like, is that the the representation? Ryers. I mean, her dad is not. I don't think her dad is white because um the last name is Reyes because they call uh, when 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 Buddy and um. Uh, it doesn't mean and it, it yeah like, when they come in if, oh. no i'm just saying that if if there is they're going for really modern representation that means the mom didn't also change her name and she's named after the mom so you never uh, know there's they be. try to play the diversity bingo so much that it's at a certain point you kind of lose that and like you said because there is no racial features to anyone I can tell. This looks like a standard issue white guy. Sorry, a standard issue white guys. But <laughs> that's what no, it looks like. I mean, Don't worry. And not our correspondent, Harry. <laughs> hey, white people. No. <laughs> but I mean, that's what that's what I was. I was. I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I mean, yeah. It's like okay, sure. Uh, Harry, what about the relationships, if anything, really appealed to you? Especially as as they kind of come into her room and, and her friends are there and, and like she, at first she's happy and then she's sad and then she's like, go without me. D- did any of that really ring for you? Yeah, basically all of it. I mean, I know that you're kind of... <laughs> 
<laughs> I know I'm like the sunny person today, but like, you know, there, there, everything you're bringing up for you has like validity and what have you. But like in the moment, I'm not trying, I wasn't like looking outside of the drama and the story and like kind of being annoyed by it. I was just fully in it. I want to circle back real quick. I do like the very quick, um, I feel like this is a reference to The Shining. Uh, the two kids, buddy, come play games with us and they're dressed exactly alike. Uh, yeah. That was my read anyway. But no, like, I just found but, her fascinating. Like, oh, what's up? No, I mean, since we are talking about movie reference, mm-hmm. um, I also like the fact that she has an orange cat, which is very aliens. Oh, that's it. Oh, I think that might have been a tell. Okay, well, let's circle yeah. back to that. Back to the point at hand. Like, I just fa- I was just so fascinated by her just her mental space of being this person who has so much output and tries to show love through acts and services and Mm. things in, in support of others. Mm -hmm. And by that feeling almost restricted and repressed by that, by not knowing if she herself is being valued or the services she has, like that is, that was fascinating to me. I thought that was all, really really good and like you know not to get back to it but but paco medina he is a very expressive artist i think the just the emotions were sold so well on the faces and i appreciate it a lot more considering uh, other books this week that might have not been able to do stuff like that um you know i was just fully within what Ayala was trying to do here and i i just yeah again i think it were three for three on nuanced interesting teen characters which I'm a mark for. I like like high school Marvel comics. I that's like a soft spot for me, and like this just felt all very authentic, and that was great. Tyler, again, remember we're t- keeping our X Men glasses yeah. and hats off for this reaction. <laughs> oh no! What definitely. did you think about Carmen's uh, family life? I mean, the 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 two point five that I gave to this issue all has to do with the characterization and the inner monologue of Carmen. And um, to me, I think, um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a doctor, uh, so I'm not sure. If Tyler this, is this, not a real doctor, everybody. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, You've given me a lot of medical advice. Now I'm worried about the stuff I ate, dude. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> All this time, I thought the name was Dr. Shoe. Listeners, you nothing need to read that the Tyler fine has prints. advised for your health. You need to read I'm, the fine prints. I'm not supposed uh, to have okay. pain. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. And, Carmen basically needs a Peter, you know, like in, in her life. He, she needs someone who calls her up and say that, Hey, you're going to be here on time, right? Because I, it's important to me. It is really important to me. And, um, okay. So the reason for my preface earlier was because, um, is Carmen actually depressed because, or meant to be depressed? Because in the very first page, she was actually crying, um, for no reason. Or for no apparent reason. She was just looking at the photo and then she was crying. And then she sort of like switched that off and oh, yeah. turned on the camera and start, you know, start, um, blogging. I mean, so that was something that-, that really stood out to me that I had to keep going back to that, like, she she has this game face, right? Like she she's upset about this. She doesn't know if she has enough of herself left to give. But it's podcasting time, so you turn it on and you say, "Hi, everybody, it's Carmen." Yeah. And uh, I don't. I, I just that was. I think that's a really interesting comment on a lot of people yeah. who now are kind of living their lives 
constantly online. You know, I was somebody who many, many years ago when I started this venture on my blog, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be one of these people that's on video all the time? Like there was this guy, Kevin, I think that like lived his whole life on video and streamed it all, which was like a big deal back in like 2000. It wasn't mm -hmm. was pre-YouTube, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was like, oh, I would totally do that. But I thank goodness I didn't. And, you know, I've had two decades, more than two decades of being online to kind of decide how much you're going to get of the space and, and what I'm not giving to you publicly. But now there's people, you know, teenagers, kids who are basically like being introduced to this without the benefit of 20 years of evolving with the technology. And, and she just thinks it's her job to like put on her face. And it's almost like she's created the situation where the people expect things from her because that's what she's giving. Yeah. And I don't want to mm -hmm. blame her for that. I think she, yeah. but also it's kind of like when you get into the self-perpetuation and I see it with our, you know, our friends that are online all the time, whether we talk to them in comic book groups or we know them, you know, because they're friends of ours regionally that we've introduced each other to. It's kind of like, um, you can step off that treadmill, but sometimes it seems like it's impossible to step off that treadmill and you, you perpetuate more and more problems by trying to run faster and faster. You're not the it's flash. You can't travel to, <laughs> through time with it. Sometimes you have to just step off. It's but, like but emotional see, compartmentalization of just yeah. shutting yourself mm -hmm. off to put on like a happy face and like, yeah. you know, well, that's, we see that Carmen is very compartmentalized here, right? She's got yeah. a mm -hmm. lot of boxes. She's got her buddy box. She's got her family box. She's got her podcast box. And, um, we, I, and I might and be she, a brood monster box, you know, maybe. And she's having trouble <laughs> establishing the lines for you. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like it was all good until the last moment when there was a transformation happened then i'm like oh so was she upset because of the transformation she was feeling bad because of that see there no. was no there was like no no, no 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 way to kind of like you know i thought that maybe she was feeling bad throughout the day because of that i think because so. she was i mean i think that's no. implied yeah that, that was that's implied. Kind of bubbling yeah. under yeah but then, that, okay, so she's already depressed and then something else is happening. I don't, yeah, I don't think yeah. it's the one thing. I think there's no, a uh, yeah. mix. Okay. I, I mean, that's the thing. And and I, I think, like, the other thing also is that I, I feel like um, Carmen is also not... Um, be, because she 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 is the depend, dependable one, mm -hmm. she sometimes doesn't establish her boundaries as yes. well. Because Gabe came into her room and just started flipping through her sketchbook, in yeah. which she sketched herself and Buddy on the same page, and and she's not happy with it, but she she only voices it in a very um sort of like you know a uh, soft way, and not like say hey that's my private stuff don't look through it without my permission you know but she didn't she didn't put it that way so. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting beat to this as yeah. well. Well, I'm going to move us on to dinner at Cole's house. So all three of them are the older trio of the kids of the five are supposed to go. Carmen begs out maybe because she's depressed, maybe because she's the a brood. We don't know yet. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Buddy and Gabe go. And uh, Tyler, I completely missed and had to pick it up from a tweet that one of the characters in the scene is an established Marvel character. So why don't you set up a little bit about for us what's going on at this dinner? <laughs> I, I was looking at this guy I was like, okay, 
they 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 specifically named him. I do not know him, but Doctor Google should know him. So I and he's I basically also type comedically it in. large in a way that you're like, really yeah. the most evil-looking yeah. man there has ever been, and like, has gloves too, <laughs> and right. has gloves too. Yeah, right. so, wearing gloves so, to dinner. Yeah, so this 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 looks suspiciously like you know number one in uh, Umbrella Academy. So <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, so oh. I was like, oh okay, I, I'm gonna Google it, and turns out to be like you know he's um, Gorilla Man. Um, who has never appeared in, I think, any X comics before, or at least not in my memory. So, um, yeah. So, um, I, and it turns out that Cole is not a um, a mutant, mm-hmm. but is a sinister type. You know, basically, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's a human. Yeah, spliced with like mutant. Um, mutant uh, uh genes and this is the part which i kind of like uh, i don't really like this part um because we have done many villains that that tracks that line so um it's so not lie. i don't really kind of like i mean yeah it's, it's a new era please come up with like um um better villains for uh for for, for the krakowans um let's not go back to the same old same old um, you know that kind of thing. Um, so, so, so that's this is a part which I kind of like didn't kind of like the part. I mean, I do like the two gay dads. Um, and they were it's so very, cute. yeah, <laughs> they're cute. <laughs> it's very um, is <laughs> is is kind of stereotypical, but is it is um, I mean, it well, is it tracks very well with couples that I know. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, they, you know they do act that way. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it really works. Um, yeah, and we can talk about another couple later on, which um, also really works for me. So. <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, ha- Harry, who's siding on here in the Cole and Gabe discussion? Is Cole right for being upset that Gabe didn't visit him and only cares about him now that he might be mutant by injection, or is Gabe right that like it's you know it's hard to see your friends go through things like that, and he's here for him now, and he's not actually just there because he thinks he's a mutant? I'm. You know, it's I. I think Gabe you get where Gabe's coming from. Like it is hard watching someone fade away like that and what have you. But like in this moment, it comes off pretty bad that, that uh, <laughs> Cole and his friends show up and are like, Hey, so can you be our mutant taxi to get us to crack? Do, do you think you could go through gates? Have you tried? Yeah. Have you gone through a gate? It's such do you want to go like on a walk the- to a gate? <laughs> It's such like a very like recognizable, just like faux pas of like, hey, you're using me and I see you using me right now. And that's not cool. You know, no, but and it's not Gabe. Yeah, it is Buddy. Yeah. Buddy. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I, so Buddy like is the one up resolving the conversation. Resolving. But, yeah. Yeah. But, 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 being, but being yeah. part of that group and just like the, the optics of it is more yeah. what I was referring to um it's just you know it's nuanced and you see you know i hate that phrase but you see both sides and like it 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 makes it just it's like a powerful scene and you know again like i wasn't blown away by the big gorilla man either but like you know everything else that was happening in the scene was like so striking to me that like i just kept going with it uh fria dinner oh i mean I mean, this is where I was like, I have no sympathy for Buddy. Like, I, I absolutely don't. I know these kind of characters. Like, and unfortunately, they're almost always white, and they need to surround themselves with like a less, like you know, less privileged uh, people in order to feel something. I don't know what it is that they're going through, but I know for a fact that there was one time 
someone <laughs> like you know one of my one of my queer like you know, one of my gay friends was actually told that like she is friends with her so she can go to lesbian bars and not be bothered by men like you know it it just reminded me a lot about that it's a lot it like just a gay. I, yeah it's a lot like it's like it's like, it's like <sighs> like you know and that's one of the reason it's like because you know she was saying that how she saw x men she but I'm like really but why but wh- why in the world where there is like other heroes you are connecting to this like what like you know and that's and because at first i thought that okay maybe she is she is non binary she is queer but it yeah. seems like that's not the case because she's you know she is into she may, uh, I, I think there's yeah. a yeah. lot in, in the art yeah. that we, that I'm not that I think that there's yeah. no, because Carmen, Carmen, that. Carmen calls her a she like so she's going by she Her, but she I, may be non-binary and go by she they she may yeah. be trans and have already transitioned she may be trans like, and yeah. has not yet trans like i don't f- i feel like there's uh, yeah. enough hints so that i'm not willing to just say this. that this is like resolved at this point <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah okay yeah. but anyway but the thing is like her constant pushiness about this it has like left me no sympathy like Wait, it just like it, so uh, so you are you you're nauseated by such a character but if this character is written so well that it causes you nauseate that makes you nauseating isn't it a well written character yes but problem is krakoa doesn't have representation in the united nations krakoa doesn't have school krakoa doesn't have a lot of other problems i would rather be focusing on that but, than talk about these idiot but we, kids but we, we are but but then we are taking our x men glasses off Oh, are we, are we, are we taking, are the glasses still off? <laughs> I don't point. know. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that, I thought that, yeah, I, I thought that the glasses, I thought that glasses were off for just oh, for Carmen. I yeah, it was back, back on. on. <laughs> like, I don't, like the same exact thing what Peter said. Why isn't this called, like, this is something that I said last time. And Peter said it this time. It's like, why is this not book called Youths of Marvel? Call it youths of Mars. I know we're just and coming just, from different perspectives here, but I really feel like we might run the risk of missing like like the fact that these are all really interesting kids from different perspectives. No, they're not. To be yeah. honest, because I have gone through this, I have lived through this, and I don't find these interesting. Do better. Do better, Marvel. Try yeah, harder. Here's here's the tag that I'll put on that because much like Harry, I see multiple sides here. I do think it's. Good when a book gets somebody from life so right that they bother you exactly the way that characters yeah. do in life. And I think that there's this trend now that people want to dislike a work of art because it has a character that's yes. dislikable. And that yeah. really bothers me because it makes it, we're trying to make everybody in fiction so palatable that we wouldn't object to them. Like, you know, it's like saying, I'm not going to read Hellions because at one point Sinister was using Nazis as a cover for his eugenics. So I'm not going to read a comic with him in the lead. That's the point of Hellions, okay? <laughs> and if you, and I always say this, if something a character has done is so offensive and troubling to you that you have trouble being well while you're reading it, then you should step away. I'm not saying that if like that character is messing with your personal well-being, that you should just grit your teeth and read it. But if you just think that character is a loathsome character, like welcome to the land of fiction. So that's one perspective that I have. But the other perspective that I have very strongly is I don't like to read books about assholes. I just don't. Like I, exactly. I, when there's like a movie about everybody's an asshole and they're all assholes to each other, I like, I just can't tune in. I'm like, okay, they're assholes. I know a lot of assholes in real life. Like, great. And I, and I do really tend to check out of comic books when everybody's kind of just 
an asshole and I can't figure out why to root for them. I'm not saying the characters have to be perfect. Mm. I have to know yeah. why to root for them. And I think this dinner scene kind of left me in an interesting space where I'm like, I'm having trouble rooting for Buddy, even though I really identified with Buddy a lot in the first issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of having trouble rooting for Gabe, even though I super identified with Gabe in the second issue. And then Carmen, who ostensibly seems the most like me, but not only because of our beautiful hair that we share, but because of her podcasting <laughs> habit. Um, I don't know that like anything Carmen said really got me on her side in this issue either. So I'm kind of like ending this issue in a place where I'm like, I'm fine if they're all assholes, but who's the asshole that I'm rooting for well, I don't, and they're not that's at, that's yeah. where I am so I want to hear Harry respond to that but then then I think we're done talking about children I, th- I think the key here is that I don't think they come off as assholes they come off as like deeply misguided maybe even ignorant in some sp- spots but also I think a big tell here at least for me a big important part is that they are teenagers and teenagers are not the most like put together well-reasoned people they're teenagers they are they are figuring (laughs) it i can say that yeah i good lord i don't my high school years were we're not gonna get into it but like that you know these are not people who are fully well-reasoned or have an idea of what they're doing that's my read that's why the ambiguity of like what are is this cool what they're doing comes in and all that so like i don't look at these kids like oh they are you know assholes are like irredeemable just more so that they have basically put themselves in this weird position where they're using people and have but i don't think this is going to stay that way i'm pretty sure they're going to learn the lesson one way or the other we're halfway through the arc you know like i'm sure like i don't think this book is wanting i sorry i believe this book is trying to also show us that buddy is not doing the right thing here and, you know, fiction typically gives a reckoning for that sort of thing. So I'm, just, I'm in for the ride. Yeah, All right, Freya, be what's your closing statement here before we sign off? No, I mean, because you are saying that, you know, you don't, you don't, you are not, you don't like. The thing is, I'm, because I talked about it before, it's like, okay, where is escapism that comes in? Like, you know, if I'm going to invest in a story and then I'm going to be invest, like watching people who genuinely hurt me in a way and then like or type of people uh, that's not providing me escapism and that's not providing me like you know something to root for or someone to root for this if this is supposed to be heroes i need them to be a little better than what they are what people that i just can step out of my house and meet them and they will be just the same as asshole like i'm just not interested in that thing so it's not that i'm not going to be reading it but as i'm reading it i'm going to be hating it and you can't like you know and that's not good i'm not going to stop (laughs) it so you know it's it's i'm not saying that you know don't read it or don't have those people in the book but i'm just saying that at least maybe have maybe have the reckoning in the same book maybe i'm just saying go back to the old age where the comic codes are authority whereas like one story has to end in the same issue i don't know maybe that's what i'm asking for maybe if i read this in an arc i would have had a different feelings about it because there would have been a reckoning i don't know but at this time i just find them to be like just just like just useless kids well, that has been our discussion of so, Children of the Atom number three. Wait, I know people I, have a lot of... No, we're done. Can I we're say done. something? Done, can done. Just one, one small thing, one small thing. Like, can we... Do we know for sure that Cerebral cannot detect them because they're not mutant or because they have sewn Magneto's scrap helmet into the costume? Well, one of them might have sewn Magneto's scrap helmet into one of her costumes. Yeah. The one so who... that is another mystery, I think. That I we, don't care we about do that. Know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. 
for X Factor number nine. We're going to do a lightning round. There's so much in this book. Please resist trying to react to all of its plot elements. Just tell me how it made you feel, starting with Tyler. Um, there, there are many nuggets of brilliance in this very packed issue. However, it is not as good as some of the best issues in this run. Um, parts of it felt rushed. Parts of it felt was kind of confusing. The art and colors, um, though, remains top-notch. And um, even the less successful issue of X-Factor, I think, still deserves a four um, hot pants out of five. <laughs> okay. Harry. <laughs> it, this book is rushed. There, there's no getting around that. But that said, one of the things I love so much about this book month to month to month is its ability to still get so much in to one issue so it's the book that somehow can do a quicker than usual ending the best to me i was not as bothered by the pace as i've seen other people around uh and i think a lot of these beats were hit really well i think this is actually a fairly great issue of x factor i think there have been other issues that were a little bit more just focused on action a little bit more slight I think you have tons of jokes, tons of emotional moments, these sweet little slice of life, slice of life bits in the middle of like the psychic plane. There's a part near the end where just Baldion's just flexing the hardest he ever has, just with the layouts and different kind of art styles. Uh, no, I, I, I really like this. I'm going to give it 4.25 mosaics out of five. Freeha. Um, so even as a biggest fan of X Factor, and then I was like very like you know always like cheering on for it. I was really disappointed by this issue because of how much that got like just got entered and like you know put on top of it. And then, but the thing is, number one thing that we talked about it before is like how this is not new reader friendly. Like if I didn't know who Shatterstar and who Richter and their his connection to Richter was, this would have been, like I would have reacted very negatively. But because I know that, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. But then it came out of nowhere. It was just like, just thrown in there. We have not talked about Mojoverse since that first issues. And it just kind of like, it's like rushed. And then because it's, this is the panel, this is the second to last uh, issue. It just getting all wrapped up. And I thought that we were going somewhere very interesting and it just kind of ended. But the, the, our first half of it, I was really into it, but the second wasn't. So uh, for me, it was, it was three. It hurts to say that, but it's a three out of five. Well, I think reacting to the issue is kind of inseparable from now knowing that the next issue is going to be the last issue. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't follow on social media, you know, it's, it, they say it in the, in the, um, goodbye box on the final page. And <laughs> clearly it's moving through a lot of plot. I would agree that it's not new reader friendly, but I think that this book has always been a little bit on the inside track for X-Men, even if it does invite you in. And, uh, I think I really enjoyed it. I wish a lot of these moments had more time to blossom because I think they were really good moments. Mm -hmm. But it had so much, even in the tiniest, quickest panels, it had so much encoded in it about these characters that it really still rung true for me. And I can't help but react to it as anything other than this, you know, deeply, deeply well-read X-Men fan. And for me, it really worked. I absolutely understand that for some people, they're going to get lost halfway through. But mm -hmm. as somebody who loves X-Men and who really likes this particular set of characters even the guest appearing ones it just nailed it for me uh and it was very very satisfying and ultimately i like a dense book 
Like, if every book moved this fast and took as little prisoners as this book did, I'd be pretty damn happy. Uh, so it's really hard to go wrong with me with an issue that's this packed and has this many nods to character moments. If we all recall, when we left off in the last issue, they had finally kind of put the whammy on Siren as Morgan, uh, as she was kind of inhabiting their boneyard and, and using it for her own nefarious purposes. And that's where we pick up here in what I like to call, um, the psychic inception face-off, uh, cause spoilers <laughs> for a movie that you may or may not have seen inception. There's multiple layers happening here, right? So Polaris yeah. is kind of on the top layer and she's holding off the physical Morgan. Then Rachel takes them into to the middle layer, which is Siren's psyche, but if they want to go deeper into the Morgan level of the psyche, they're going to have to leave Rachel behind on the middle layer, and it's just very, very <laughs> clever, and it's, you know, it's clearly almost like it's a trope inception. at this point, but it's it's <laughs> really, really clever, and I think it really uses each of them well, personally. But yeah. um, there's a lot of individual things that happen here. There's iBoy seeing, you know, a history of magical stuff happening. There's Rachel bringing in Kyle to talk about dinner plans. It's not just a um, psychic mission. It's got a lot of interpersonal stuff thrown in as well. So Tyler, what did you think about this first psychic inception sequence? I mean, the, the only thing that we are missing right here is the spinning top at the end, just to make sure that they all came out of it correctly. Uh, I mean, I, I love it. Um, and, and, um, I, there, there's so many layers here. And, um, okay, the first thing is the coloring. I love how the fact that everyone is, um, in shades of red, except for Rachel, because she's the only one that is like, in control here, in a sense, because they're almost it being is like her. projected through Rachel. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So they are, they're all going through her and, and things like that. And then, um, Prodigy uh, was like, Oh, we form a mutant circuit. Did you not know that? And that is kind of like, um, well, not quite. It is some sort of a, of a circuit, but not quite. Um, but you know, but, but this is like, this is this has been a common theme throughout a lot of the rocks um titles right um is is about forming small human a mutant circuit to make um the whole um much more than the sum of the sum of its parts i mean the sum of its parts much more than you know it, um, the individual parts um then you know i mean and 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 they finally gave a name for the first party the founders party which i kind of thought was really funny as well Good um name. Yeah, I mean it's fun, and um, the the part that sort of go, makes me go ah was when Rachel basically said, "I'm not going to be the middle person." Pull Carl into <laughs> into the middle of the mission and said, "Okay, you two start talking." And how um, Northstar basically, you know, at at the end of it, just zoomed down and gave Carl a pack on the cheek, and 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 you know, I, I mean, I thought that was like so well done. Um, the, there's like a lot of things uh, here too like you know the the team is is is, is becoming a family because Northstar mm -hmm. is very very protective of the younger members of of his team um i think he has reason to be protective given the way the last issues data page goes is like um and then the other thing also i think is that um the teams are getting very familiar with each other. They are making fun of each other. They are calling each other, you know, they're, they're saying like, no, oh, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm all yeah. eyes. Uh. And, then, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and then, and then of course, you know, um, Prodigy making fun of, uh, uh, Darker and it's like, oh, Mr. Snick, sir. 
so I thought, I mean, I thought there was like so many layers of like good stuff here, like good nuggets. It's like, you know, it's, 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 I would be happy if this is just the entire issue. Just yeah. this first part. I'll be so happy. But, you know, but this is just one third of the issue. This is good. Harry? Well, yeah. I just, so, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like, I feel like the best story, some of the best stories, some of my favorite stories just have casts of characters that just make you just love them and are just so happy to see them all interact. It's been on our minds, it seems a little while, but like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is incredible at that. And like this book, just starting off just with the banter and the back and forth and just seeing them kind of bond throughout the series. And Tower, you said it, but I just, it's my favorite moment in the book where, where uh, you go, I'm all ears. And then uh, I boy goes, I'm all eyes. And they all just like groan at that. It's one of the most delightful moments. And then you have Rachel like turning and looking between the planes and it's just being shown through different panels and she's in between them. And it's like just this art showcase and this amazing character just, showcase and it's just and then the stuff with uh uh with um sorry north star and his husband like it's just so freaking great and sweet and just like emotionally just like uplifting that it it just i was just in i was totally locked in like this is why this is my favorite marvel book this is why i want to get an oversized hardcover of this book i hope they actually do that it's like on the edge of how many issues i don't know but um yeah it's just it worked for me in in every single way Freya, what did you think about this opening sequence? So I got my pitchfork out because of like how awesome this uh, first half of the book was <laughs> and how it got all truncated because we know that the series is cancelled or coming to an end, however way you want to say it. And be- it's all because of that they had to put everything in this issue. And I know for a fact if this was issue, this series was allowed to continue, it would have ended with the riddle. Like, you know, they would not have solved the riddle in this issue. And we would have been talking about, who do you think? And Tyler would be like, well, I think it's Shatterstar. Sorry, bad impression of Tyler. <laughs> like, you know, Tyler would have solved it. But the thing is, in here, it got done right away. Everything that you were saying about, like, the characters interacting with it, it's all really good. But then the cynic in me, the pessimist in me, just thinking, well, to what end? Because it, it, it just ended. This team is getting disbanded. It's not, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, and it's just like, I'm like, it, it felt, it, it, it hurt. It hurt to mm-hmm. enjoy this because it's not going to be there. And, I, and don't, please don't tell me one of those like, oh, be glad it happened. Like, you know what? The friends were the friends we no, made along the way. No, back off. I want it to continue. I want it to continue. I wanted it to be like the next arc is about we're going to go and save Shatterstar. You know, mm. something about that. You know, versus it's just going to be like, hey, if you have been reading X-Men, you're going to know who these people are. But if you're not, shit out of luck. You know, go go talk to Dr. Google. That's what happened. But I mean, you know, you guys already have pointed out all the good things about it. I absolutely loved it. Like the fact that this was like Inceptions and all of that. It was just amazing. I just, uh, but it just like, like, I know, maybe I'm crazy, but like I, this book moves at such a breakneck speed anyway, and it gets so much within each page that I wasn't feeling like I was missing out on content as the story came along. Like you're right that like they definitely 
cut the riddle super fast but that's a really really funny moment where they're just like who could it be oh it's Shatterstar like yeah, immediately like, no no but that's what I'm saying I wanted it to end at that moment I wanted the next next issue to begin there and then it yeah, was yeah. all about going to Mojoverse and then saving Shatterstar again and everything and everything that I was talking about Richter how he's feeling about Shatterstar got it, it's here, you know, yeah. because it <laughs> happened. And But the problem is it just happens so fast. And it's just like, because you know that it's because it's coming to an end and mm. you know that it's you're going to goodbye. It just like, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if like Peter suddenly said, this is the second to last episode we're going to do, I'm not going to enjoy it as much, even though I enjoy <laughs> hanging out with you guys. Like it just, it, it's, it was just that for me. It's just because I'm who I am as a person. Nothing against Leah Williams that's, or Baldwin. That's what you brought, what you brought to the issue in a way. Exactly. Well, and also, I think it's, you know, I, I follow Leah Williams on Twitter and, and Baldion as well. And Leah Williams mentioned in some of her replies to folks who are reacting to the fact that it's the second to last issue, that she actually found out about that in the middle of scripting this. So I feel like you almost can see where this maybe, you know, was going to do the thing where he is talking about. And then Leah Williams is like, nope, let's do a lot of other stuff. But I think, you know, Jeez. the credit we're due is that Baldion knock so many different things out of the park in this issue and if I'm only reacting to that beginning sequence this is really good psychic plane stuff with Baldion yeah. in collaboration with Silva showing the different layers showing how some things are kind of not meant to be there and how they stand off from the rest of the art showing them walking through this um, this projection of past events that are being replayed to them from the memory it kind of made me think about if anybody has watched Hamilton either live or on Disney Plus how at one point um is it Eliza who goes back and yeah. replays one of the whole scenes? And they play, they yeah, go back. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and uh, it really reminded me of that. So I just think there was so much clever stuff happening with the art. A lot of issues where the plot gets rushed like this for whatever reason, whether the, the series got canceled or it's just got to end the arc or there's a crossover coming, any of those things. A lot of times the art just can't keep up and it kind of is just shoving things and you you get all those problems that we talk about. The, the 180 rule is broken or you can't see people's eye lines or whatever. But Baldion delivers flawlessly on incredibly difficult stuff he's got to navigate so many characters through an unreal space and it just 100 mm -hmm. works from an art standpoint and i think that that's fascinating you know clearly there were some late changes to the script maybe even changing some of the things that williams and baldian had already agreed were going to go into the script and mm -hmm. the art i think is just is executed flawlessly but let's let's come to the riddle the riddle of the i don't i don't know if it's i've always in my head said gaius or gas, but I, I've checked the Google and it sounds like gas, but that's because Google pronounces things like a kiwi to me now. So maybe only a kiwi <laughs> would say gas. I don't know. I'm not a linguistics professor. Okay. But what it is, is an <laughs> obligation. confirmed. Yeah, that we know that for sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it is an obligation or a prohibition magically imposed on a person. And it seems to specifically require Shatterstar. And I want to ask you all, clearly we all know that it's Shatterstar because the issue tells us, why? <laughs> do you think, Freya, it's because he was in X Factor with Siren? What? Why do you think it's so specifically? Like, usually when you get one of these riddles, you kind of got to go through your role decks. Like, oh, he's a prince, but he's got a lazy eye. Oh, uh, that, you know, that princess is too short. Like, when you're looking for the person who's going to do the magic kiss or whatever. But in this one, it's like, no, I'm actually specifically asking for Shatterstar. Freya, what did you think about that? I don't know because it just got all done in one one issue and it was like a whiplash that I didn't you know uh, only because Tyler told me about Shatterstar and Longshot before that I 
when it was happening. I was like, oh, it's gonna. Be. And then it made so much sense why X Factor started with Mojoverse. Like it was yeah. all coming together. And then I'm like, wait, 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 wait. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to Mojoverse now. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not ready yet. So it just felt like that. And I just I don't. And that's one of the reasons I wasn't even sure. It's like okay, maybe Shatterstar had some in some 1996 issue. He had something to do with Morrigan. He killed Morrigan once, and that's what we're gonna bring it back. But I don't know any of that. And I to me honestly, I don't. I didn't care. I didn't care about that part at all. That it's Shatterstar. I'm like. Great, Richter's gonna be happy, and he was. And we actually got to see Richter caring yeah. about Shatterstar for a change. Uh, yes. So this does launch us into this Mojoverse caper, which really feels like something that could have got a whole issue, and instead exactly. it gets mm. a page and a spread, just because that's how much time it has. And yeah. the caper, it's very very funny. It's like they're infiltrating Mojo World to put on a concert to draw enough viewers to make Mojo mad enough to... I don't know. It's a pretty dense spread. <laughs> Tyler, what, no. was, what was your version of what the caper actually was? Okay, before I answer the question, um, I I think, I think, I'm not sure, why it has to be Shatterstar is... was not given enough room to... Um, for, 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 for Leah Williams to explain. Um, mm. but, but there was this one panel where you see Shadowstar and then you see a uh, a transparent image of another fighter be- behind behind him and 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 Morrigan was saying something like oh um um you would see to him so easily so my guess is it has to do with the um whole Irish lore of of Morrigan and that 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 guy might be you know her mortal enemy or something and and for some reason uh, Shatterstar is is a representation of that character, hmm. but yes, this is the part which um which which was what I mentioned as confusing when I when I said my overview because hmm. um yeah I I didn't really get the whole thing of why it has to be Shatterstar and what what is the ultimate plan. Maybe we will know next next issue, which is part of um Hawaii Gala, but you know I don't know. Um, um, what. One thing I want to say that I do understand why Morrigan wants to, wants to be like, you know, keep them like, you know, keep uh, Morrigan came and got Siren. Like, you know, that made more sense. Yeah, that part makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like that was like more, and that was scary. That was really scary. Like, because, because she, she she will gain in power as people sacrifice themselves. And so if she could make Krakowans just mass suicide, um, she would gain in a lot of power because she knows that they die, they get brought back, right. and then it's an inexhaustible resource to her. Yeah, she right. Can die. Cool idea. It's exactly. gold in them dark hills. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then and it's you guys did what? There's a, there, there's like two layers to it though because there's one layer is like okay you conquered conquered death like you know you you don't you're not scared of me so I'm mad at you for that but at the same time I'm going to use it as a resource. Then what I'm saying, Siren Girl introduce her to Quentin Choir and your problem will be solved. Like, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, does no one talk to each other? Quentin well, would be happy this, to take her, take no, but her this, on. This happens in the Founders Party. So, right, that's so, what so, so she doesn't really know what I mean, well, an X-Force is not supposed to be public knowledge oh, to know, everyone. Oh, I know, I know that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm like, you know, maybe Siren can go and figure that out. But anyway. No, but that, but this also gives Siren a, 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 a hero take, right? Basically, she's like, I, 
um, I'm going to make another deal. You just keep killing me because mm-hmm. they will keep bringing me back. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I would just, I would just pay the debt. Yeah. In place of them, and that is. But it's like a thousand deaths in thousand different ways. That's, and that's the, so sad. Though. Yeah, it is. Really remember them now. Yeah, it's affecting thing. It's it's really scary. It's it was yeah. that was really scary. I mean, me. I think yeah. there's something there that almost could escape, but it really tracks to a lot of the ways that we've been talking about resurrection and the results and consequences of resurrection is that much like Quentin Quire, Siren's almost going to be in an arrested development because if mm-hmm. she's constantly dying, I don't know, let's call it every third day, you know, because Mars and ha- Morgan has a high price to pay a, a large mm-hmm. toll to yeah. pay. Um, Siren's never going to advance as a person. She's basically just going to be in Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day. She's going to keep yeah. waking right. up, lose- having never really lived anything. The world's going to be changing around her and she's just going to keep dying. And, and she's really just going to be stuck in that moment. She's basically, it's not even, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like not even like she's saying you can keep killing me and there's like a suicide element to it or a depression element yeah. to it. It's almost she's like seeding the ability to actually live her life because she's never going to have any memories anymore. Right. Oh. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The, the, that whole thing had me shook. I'm like, yeah, that needed a whole issue on its own. Well, before we come back to more Morgan stuff, let's take a Morgan intermission here to talk about the data page, Tyler, because... The data page of Northstar texting with Danny about getting together for dinner, but he's actually looking for some advice from Danny. What did you yeah. think about Northstar's advice seeking and who's who on the team is he asking for that advice on the behalf of? I mean, he's asking an advice basically basically for himself, I think. Oh. Really? He, he, I mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because, because, tell us about that. No, because what I think you, he, oh, he he wanted to he wanted to know if 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 well he, he wanted some assurance from some people that he trusts as equals um you know because they because they were all teachers to the academy x kids um at the same time so and and she he wanted some assurance that you know he could lie to the quiet council and that he's not the only one doing it Right. Um, when I said and, on behalf of, clearly he wants the advice for himself. But I mean, who on the team in specific oh, does he want to lie about? I'm, I phrased that. I boy, I boy, prodigy. Yeah, I boy, prodigy. All of them. It's definitely, I boy. Yeah. yeah, actually, all of them is probably <laughs> and prodigy. And um, I mean, not so much Darken, but uh, you know, but <laughs> um, he doesn't have much. And, I mean, I I don't think he That's thinks the worst of, burn. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he he thinks of Rachel um as 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 one of the young ones. I think he th- I mean Rachel could definitely, you know, um take care of herself. So okay. so my my take would be um primarily um Prodigy and iBoy, but um in some ways I think you can also lump it as a, a you know as an umbrella for the entire Academy X kids that appears in this uh title. But here's my question about that too. It's like he was he was saying, I have to pull the like members of my squad are more powerful than ever, the council is aware of, and now I'm terrified of misappropriation of their skills because I didn't trust leadership to lead them well enough. They're probably going to look at these young people in my care and just see the ways they're developing their abilities could be weaponized. Mm-hmm. Isn't he doing the exact same thing? 
isn't he weaponizing their thing to just to just because he's doing one aspect of finding dead mutants and then solving their crime it's still a weaponizing and does he is he not aware that Krakoa is still a, is a nation and it need of an army and that's something that should be done he's from alpha flight he was in uh, like you know a government thing before so i just don't understand what is he trying to trying to do over here like it's one of those things that yeah he's trying to protect but i'm like nah, i don't think you understand what's at stake and i feel like someone like him should know that it just made me it just lessened him for me for me like i was like okay you uh, okay like you know you should be the one who's saying that hey something needs to be like you know we need to do something about it rather than hiding it you are just trying to protect them and then they may be actually taken and weaponized and you will have no say well i have i have so many opinions about these things but i let's have harry toss his hat into the <laughs> ring as well and i can jump in on all of it I just think it's an extension of just North Star's becoming something of a dad. And he's trying to watch out for the youngest part of his crew, which is iBoy, who's a little bit of a, you know, he's clearly got this incredible power, which, you know, you'd never expect. But, you know, he's still uh, he's still pretty young. He's wearing kind of not ill-fitting clothes, but definitely a different thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just took it more as like, um, you know, I didn't think less of him. I just like, oh, this guy's... Uh, taking him in a vulnerability to reach out to friends and try to see if he's on the right path. And, uh, but I I've been in a wholesome mood lately. So maybe that's just my particular read on that. <laughs> well, wow. There's just so many things here. So I think he's clearly asking about iBoy, but I think the implication mm -hmm. is that he's asking about multiple. And so then if you extend it to assuming he's asking about prodigy, it's kind of like, what is it that he doesn't want to reveal about prodigy? Like everybody knows the prodigy's powers are working again, right? Cause he, got resurrected and prodigy hasn't fully confided in north star about the whole there's maybe a missing living prodigy around here somewhere so i i kind of was like is is it prodigy right like is there is it actually aurora is it i i don't know it made me really question or or does night has north star really caught on to more about prodigy than prodigy maybe thinks because north star is being like a good parental figure. So I really mm -hmm. just found myself really tangling with that. He's he's clearly talking about multiple. And then I started thinking about, you know, who who would Danny maybe not be disclosing everything to Professor X about, but that's a conversation for a new mutant. Yeah. But I want to come to Freya's <laughs> point about like weaponizing and, and who Northstar is. I don't think utilization equals weaponization. I think that Xavier and the Quiet Council, but Xavier specifically is somebody who will absolutely weaponize somebody to the greatest um, good of Krakoa without maybe thinking about them. And that's North Star's fear. North Star being from Alpha Flight, he's not part of the Xavier cult at all. Like he doesn't, he does not care about the Xavier stuff. He's using iBoy or whoever because it's helping them make people's lives better. But he kind of draws a line between like making lives better on like a um, retail level and making lives better on like a wholesale national level where you maybe have left less regard for everybody in the machine. And I can't help, even though he did not say it in the conversation, reflect on the fact that he's not talking to Polaris about this. Polaris's dad is on the Quiet Council in the chair <laughs> next yeah. to Xavier. 
he's not talking to Rachel about this either. Up until a few months ago, Rachel's mom was on the Quiet Council too, like mm -hmm. of the adults in the group. Um, and then, you know, Dokken, even though the relationship isn't great, is the uh. son of Wolverine, one of the captains. North Star's really the only unaffiliated adult that's here. And so much as he feels a little bit custodial about these younger characters, especially because of the Academy X connection, which is easy to forget because people have read early Academy X before it turns into Kyle Yost, and they also haven't read Chuck Austin X-Men because everybody says it's bad, but it's got great North Star in it. Um, I think people are missing the extreme level of nuance of North Star being like, I'm alone here. I can't talk to mm -hmm. Claris. I can't talk to Dakin. I can't talk to Rachel. And I see Donnie as my actual peer here more than anybody on my team. Yeah. I think that is heavy as shit, y'all. That is, that is a heavy, heavy beat to play out for North Star. And that's really all good. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I actually even didn't even think about the Polaris Magneto and all of that. But my thing is like, when, when X-Men, like, you know, X-Men or the mutant or this older mutant who has been around as a being a mutant will stop thinking like before Krakoa. Like, I just, I just don't understand that. Like, at what point these characters is going to change their mindset of the Professor X as the, as the headmaster is not the same as the Professor as, as a counsel and taking a, taking a, um, taking a mutant and training them to be something betterment of the nation is not the same as like, oh, I'm going to put you in a danger room. And then, so you get to learn. Like, it just like, it's, there's a difference. Uh, I just, I just want them to. Is there a difference? Yeah. No, there should, I mean, there is a difference because before they were just fighting for their lives, but now they're protecting their nation. You, you need, you need to, like, you know, they, they were fighting for their lives as individual citizens, as individual citizens because, God, like, you know, because there was, like, racists coming to kill them, but now they're a nation, and nations should have weapons to protect themselves. Does that it's, matter it's, to iBoy, though, in the moment? Like, like, I feel tell like either I he's boy, getting killed. Tell iBoy, give iBoy that option. Tell him, what do you want, iBoy? What do you want to do as a mutant, as Krakoa? The same thing that Doug had to deal with in New Mutants 13 when he, they were in X of Swords. Like, you know, I'm just, that's what I'm saying. Why? I hate that when there's like all these older characters tries to hide the kids. And they're not kids. They're not underage. They're, they're I, I think Iboy is like over 18. Why not is just it? talk to, I don't yeah, know. That's a good I question, mean, actually. <laughs> I don't know what, what age he is. But the thing is, like, why aren't you telling them and they're letting them decide? By not doing this, you are just creating a situation where Quiet Council will one day come and be like, I need, we need people to protect Krakoa and we're going to constrict, like, you know, we're going to, like, you know, um, what, what's the word? Like, constrict these people. Or conscript? Conscript, yeah, conscript. Yeah, conscript, yeah, conscript yeah. these people. And to be honest, some of these morphos need to be conscripted. Well, I mean, that's, I, <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to get into a present day um, political sensitive topic, yeah. which would be very easy to get into given the events of this week. But, sure. uh, should you have to serve in the armed forces of a nation to appreciate the benefits of a nation? To make it non-political in the United States to register for aid for college, you have to register for selective service. Usually that doesn't have any meaning, but if there was ever a draft by virtue of having signed up for aid for college, you would be draftable. And I remember, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, being like, I don't know if I want to apply for aid for college and because I was like really against the idea that in exchange for even 
even operating in the federal system to get an education that I had to volunteer myself specifically as somebody who said, yes, you can use my body in defense of the country. Is, is iBoy's situation any different? I totally read the whole, like, let iBoy decide. That's its own thing. But mm-hmm. I also read, and I want to get the other half of the chat because now Free and I are really going at it, um, <laughs> in discussion, which is fun. Um, Iboy's not part of the Xavier system. Like he's like seventh or eighth generation at this point. I think there's definitely an aspect to this of like, there's kids that Xavier's aware of that he's going to treat more fairly like a Doug, but like, is he treating everybody fairly? Is he, does Xavier really have a relationship with gold balls or is gold balls just a commodity who's been sacrificed for the good of the state? Is gold balls even a person and should gold balls have the right to be a person um, if his power is crucial to the existence of mutants. These are big, big themes, and Leah's ne- Leah Williams hasn't come out and said any of them, but, like, they're there in this data page. Yeah. Let's hear from well, the other but, side. Yeah. Of, well, Priya, if you as... want to rebut any of that, but then I want to go to Harry and then to Tyler. But that's what I'm saying, because this is the old way of thinking, that Xavier is the head of the cro- of the mutant, though. He's not. He is. It, he no, is. he's he one is. of. He is one of. He is one Come of. On. That's what I'm saying. He's one of. As a as the way the system is set up, he's one of. And if he's not, then that needs to be discussed. But that's what I'm saying. What, and I'm not saying that do it in the normal way, normal world way, where there is a con there is like a draft system or anything like that. Come up with a way because you are better. You were just superior. Do it better. Do it better than how humans the the one like you know humans have done it that's what i'm asking for i'm not saying that follow the real world rules and anything i'm just saying that do something different about it that's why i'm saying because when i say that it's like oh i don't trust xavier i'm like haven't we done this before as well aren't we well, supposed he's to be not better being this? very trustworthy right now. <laughs> and, and, again, and, and, and that's maybe a thing like you know so then that's the thing like there is like this break there that we may need to discuss about it, and maybe, I, maybe that's maybe that's what the whole discussion is. Like between the maybe the discussion between them will stem that hey, we as the newer leader of Mutant Dome maybe need to do something different. I hope that comes out, Harry. I yeah, want I, I want it to be something like that. I feel like you know I think Xavier is not trustworthy for actions he has taken on Krakow. It's not so much like the old way of thinking as. He's clearly operating as a leader at a remove of his people because, yes, there is a council, but also, yes, he's having a lot of secrets he's holding from everyone with Magneto. He's not entirely on the level, which raises the bigger question of, you know, ultimately, what kind of society is this going to ultimately be? Is this going to be a warlike culture that should demand service and demand people to step up to the plates? Or is it the kind of place that, you know, wants to be, you know, an actual Eden or a garden or a place where you know, where kids can be kids like Chuck E. Cheese, you know? So it's kind of like there are different, you know, I, I, I don't think, I think North Star's act of just like compassion and care, it's like a good beat for his character, but it's also taking the side of, I want to see these kids flourish or be protected in their own way to be able to do that. Because in this book, in this zone, you know, X Factor is not a battle team. It is a detective company trying to make people's lives better which is different than something that's heavily conflict based so i i think it's like pretty un undeniably like heroic in that way um 
And uh, I think my cat agrees. So that's all I have to say. Let's about not that. weaponize our cow pets for <laughs> yeah. the conversation, yeah. okay? Because Freya will get in on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I like you know she's just black. there. She's sitting right next to me, so I can weaponize cats too. You know, hey, um, bring it on. <laughs> all right, Tyler, <laughs> close out this part of the discussion for us. What are your feelings okay. on this? Um, I mean, I grew up on an island and served that, in that island's army. Let, let us yes. not forget. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is a national over. service, so I'm conscripted to 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 serve in the army. Um, and I mean, in in the defense of the country, I do think that is necessary, in the sense that um, people do know do need to know how to defend um, the country. Um, on the other hand, I don't think the short amount of time that we spent in the army is sufficient, but it does give us a little bit of um, of an idea that should something happens, should there be a need, um, at least we are semi-prepared. So so I do think that um, there is a need for Krakoa to defend themselves. But given that you know the citizens of Krakoa, the Krakoans themselves, are by definition, you know, do have powers that could be used as weapons. Um, there is no need to subject everyone to that. So there should be, there should be, I mean, it, it all stems down to the formation of the society and having a structure to the society. Mm-hmm. So basically, there needs to be a way to defend the island um, and not just, you know, um, and not just depend on the captains to choose their own team, like like Magic did in uh, in Curse of the Manting, or like they all did when they just jump into um, uh, other world to defend mm-hmm. the island. Um, so so that there has to be something more to it in 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 a way that is more structured. Um, but back back down to this though, we are talking about Northstar, who is really who really feels like he's in charge. I mean, he, he did not volunteer to be the, 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 the team leader. Basically, Polari says, I, I don't want to be the leader. <laughs> I, I volunteer North Star. And, and he takes it to heart. I mean, you know, he, 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 he lost a child before. He lost a son before, I think. Mm-hmm. If, is it a son? That he adopts back in the yeah. uh, in the reveal of, of his... Yeah. 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 It's, so, it's so, so, so that, that, you know, I think that, that definitely colored his way in, 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 in some sense that, you know, this, you know, he, he's protective of, 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 of younger people whom he sees as his kids. So I think that makes sense. And that's, um, you know, that, that, that gives him another layer of, um, characters, uh, characterization, um, mm-hmm. because he's often played as the, the, the aloof, the cool one who doesn't care too much. But here you see that he does care, and um, and he remembers his um. Oh, oh, I mean, Leo Williams remembers the the relationships uh, between the teachers uh, during the Academy X era. So, so that kind of um, I mean, that works very well on 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 many different layers for me. Um, just just 
purely on this data page itself. Well, look, there's a lot to this issue beyond this data page. We're basically only halfway Mm -hmm. through the book, but to all of our point, it's like goes into hurry up mode after that. There's some beautiful art from Baldion as we get the the myth of the Margan that's drawn in this awesome kind of like old painted scrolls sort of way. Shatterstar has his encounter with the Margan, which is incredibly um, violent and and wonderfully drawn. And at the end, when Margan is defeated, she imbues something into Shatterstar and also to Richter all the way in the Excalibur lighthouse. What that is, we don't know. But I think the point I want to draw about all that, because we just don't have the time to dig into all of it, is X-Factor and why we react to X-Factor like we do is because it gives us the density where we can have these discussions. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like we come into X-Factor every time, and not only do we go wild over the art, not only do we go wild over the character interactions, but we're having, like, big talks about the ramifications of things in the real world and how we feel about them. And it's making us feel things. And some of the X-Men books have done that in other times. We had a great mm-hmm. discussion about Excalibur and, and with Malice and the issue. There's other, you know, we've had really in-depth discussions where we've really disagreed about Children of the Atom. But to me, that's what I'm looking for from a great comic book, a book that's not just pleasing to read, but then I get stuck on as I tumble it around in my head afterwards. And, you know, I have to just say that, like, I'm incredibly disappointed that just because this is mm-hmm. not meeting some excitement threshold in some part of the market that we're going to dismantle this creative yeah. team that works well together, this group of characters that works well together, these themes that work well together, and we're going to lose the book that's the most thought-provoking book in the X-Men line. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the moderator, so I get to editorialize, I guess. But like, that's just dumb. It's stupid. Uh, I don't really care if it's the book that sells the least in the direct market. If you have the book that's saying interesting things, find a way to make it sell. Now, who knows? This book is going to go away. We're going to get the trial of Magneto for five issues. Maybe this we're going to get another volume of X-Factor. Maybe it's going to turn into some other title that can maybe sell more. But are we ever going to get this magic back that's leading us to have discussions like this one? Because I think we're, once again, taking the best X-Men book and ending the magic early just because it's not appealing to the widest swath of the audience, which kind of is a little bit of an allegory about x-men itself in its own way and that frustrates me very much no it does i mean the thing is like why why do we have characters starring in two books that isn't even very good at this moment like why and 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 here we have we i mean there is we have spent so much time talking about this book and we, we we didn't even talk about the rescue which features so many different characters some of them appears in only one panel and or two panels and 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 were used brilliantly like the whole magic thing oh, facing mojo so fun here it's so good and how how um danny and sian basically combined their power and made the worst fears of mojo basically losing his network <laughs> entirely uh, and and just basically um and trans him so that he couldn't react to anything that they were doing, so that he couldn't react to anything that they were trying to rescue uh, Shatterstar. And 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 I, I believe that if if this wasn't ending, we will see the fight between Magic and the and yeah. the clone mother instead yeah. of just yeah. having it off yeah. panel. Yeah, um, well, I don't I mean, think we have this... to say that any other book is bad or unworthy to say that. It's no. just like when you've got this much magic in a book and you're the X office where all of your books sell better than the majority of all of your comic books it's in like, the it's American cr- market, like find a way, y'all. I know that's crazy. It's crazy that this this is the second book after Fallen Angels, right? Like this is the second to get axed is like yeah. that doesn't feel right. Like it just No. I'm frustrated. Quite I mean, it is. Frustrated. <laughs> And, and I just 
just I also don't know is because they needed to needed her to write in Trial of Magneto, and she said that she cannot write two books. So why not just put it in pause and bring it back? Well, because the other well, one is clearly a mini, right? Or is that on? I mean, how long can you have a trial? I, I don't I know. Don't I mean, it could be a well, mini. It has to be a mini. Unless what yeah. what trial? Because this is what this is what my frustration is. Is like just like the way like the. I mean, I don't even know how to how to say it, but it's just like it's it's, it's like the, we we were getting something different here, like not just from X Men point of view, not just from mutants point of view. It was just from storytelling point of view. It was something different, and then it's gone. It's gone. But you know, and no, I I am going to compare it with other books. Wolverine gets to come back. I'm sorry, it has no business coming back. Uh, it it just isn't, and this is this is it's very it's extremely frustrating. I mean, uh, I don't know how how to change that. Yeah, and, you know, the final thing up. I mean, there's so there's so much more we could talk about on all these co- topics. Clearly, this is one of, if not the queerest of all of the X Men books right now. It's the book that's showing us characters on panel, um, you know, in romances that are not just heterosexual romances. And it's the one that's getting cut just in time for Pride Month, which Marvel is very eager to market on massively. How about you find a way to get your queer comics through Pride Month before you cancel them? Marvel, it's not the first time. But the other thing, too, is I think it's shattered an illusion that I have of kind of like the way the X office works right now. Like I, you know, I think it's really easy for us to all to think like everything gets its chance. Every story is going to get told to its full extent. This might be the first time in this whole age of Krakoa that we're actually seeing a story specifically not get the room that it clearly was meant to have. And I think that that, at least for this group of four, but it seems like for a lot of fans out there too, have really found something in X factor. It really, um, shattered a suspension of disbelief that we're doing something different than just selling Marvel comic books and and buying Marvel comic books, you know? The anecdote that I share online, and I'll say it here too, is, you know, I buy everything Marvel, so and I always have, ever since I came back to comics, and sometimes I feel like it's hard for me to have a vote with my dollar, because I'm like, well, I'm buying everything. How can they tell that I like spending this dollar more than this other dollar? Am I supposed to buy, like, 10 issues? How can they show them? So at one point, I cared so much about X-Factor that I canceled all of my other digital polls, and I bought them manually, later in the day on the day they came out because I wanted Marvel to see that my subscription dollar for X Factor was the only subscription dollar I was giving them and that all the other money was coming later because I couldn't I just couldn't figure out any other way to send a message you know you have people out here that if you asked us to spend like ten dollars per issue on X Factor I bet we would but doesn't matter it's canceled so uh, sorry to end on downer folks but I think this panel <laughs> is united in saying bad move X Office no it is I'm, it I is a bad move I'm quietly pissed off now, but I'm curious how the last issue is going to hit. It's weird where it's part of a crossover, but it's also leading into something. And, and I don't know, on one hand, like I'm excited to see Leah Williams get a bigger profile book. That is cool, but it's not going to be the same. It's not going to have this chemistry. And yeah, I just have like a really bad taste in my mouth. And so, we have, have heard I mean, the we have so many team is, is going to yeah. appear in the Mag Child Magneto. It looks yeah. like some other things in the line could be relaunching. We could get this whole cast. We, we could, could get Lee Williams. We could get David Balliam. But it's not going to be this run of X Factor, even as it comes think. back intact for volume two. Yeah. I will say whatever, and I don't, I really rarely ever do this. Whatever book David Baldion moves on to next, like I will be buying that. Like mm. after this series, like I don't care. Whatever. It could be. 
Well, not Song of the South. Don't r- draw that. But oh anything gosh. else. Why? Why? Let's not plug that out of our heads. It could no, be My yeah. Little Pony. It could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but, where is he going, that. though? Where I is know. he we going, don't know. though? Did We're not mention. far enough out in solicits yet. Did he not oh, maybe, maybe yeah. Sword. <gasps> Well, folks, that has been our discussion of the two ongoing X-Men books, X-Factor number nine and Children of the Atom number three. If you're looking for our discussion of X-Core number one, for a number one issue, we give it its own space to breathe. So that will be in, in its own separate episode here on the podcast feed. We have some interesting stuff to look forward to next week, including another issue of Weight of X. Very, very exciting stuff. Uh, but until then, we want to say thank you so much for listening because we love getting together and do the, doing this because why, Freya? X-Men is better when it's wrapped together. That's right. So on the behalf of myself, Harry, Tyler, and Freya, it's been better reading X-Men together with the three of you, and it's been better reading it together knowing that you all will take a listen and share your thoughts perhaps with us as well. So until we get to talk to you again on another episode of This Week in X presented by Crushing Comics, we want to say we hope that you are well. Bye. Bye. Bye.